You're a mutant. Created by magic. We don't want your kind here. Hunting monsters. For a price. I've lived through three supposed end of days. It's all horseshit. This Organized Chaos podcast is brought to you by Gems Art Studio. Gems Art Studio is an online store that allows access to prints that you can use for most anything, obviously as just a picture, or as a wallpaper, or as a bookmark, or anything you can think of. You can find Gems Art Studio at etsy.com slash shop slash Gems Art Studio. This podcast is also brought to you by listeners like you. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another Organized Chaos podcast. My name is Bobby Quarters. With me, as always, is Bob. Bob, how are you today? I'm doing all right. You know, uh, watching lots of Witcher today, which uh, which will be a topic for the podcast today for some reason. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I also am still in the stint of watching quite a lot of what I think is not maybe Game of Thrones Witcher. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely inspired by that. Yeah, today we're going to be covering both seasons of Witcher, which uh, may have been a mistake on our part. Um, I, it's they are shorter seasons, but man, doing two seasons in an episode is a bit much. <laughs> yeah, that's like a full shift. Yes, yes, <laughs> like a full work shift. Yeah, but uh, yeah, before we even get to that, we're going to talk about that. That oh my god, blah blah blah. We're going to talk about death to Smoochie, but then uh, before that, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, bring up some news here, because uh, someone who died way too young died uh, Yeah. New Year's Eve. Oof. Yeah. We are, of course, talking about Betty White. Uh, kind of a legend. Uh, even in, like, the later years, like, I, like, the day she died, I reposted her uh, Deadpool review, which was just absolute classic. I believe yeah. I believe part of her review was this is the ultimate family movie. Your family is a complete group of fucking inbreds. <laughs> yeah, no, she did lots of great stuff like that. I dug up one of the older stories about her that uh, not a whole lot of people talk about, but I remember re- reading about a few years ago. So she had uh, the Betty White show. I didn't actually realize it was the Betty White show. I know she was oh, big in charge of it, yeah, it but like yeah. A, yeah, I think it was like a variety show. Yes. Like... Yeah. Yeah. So you sang, interviewed guests, performed skits. Yeah. It sounds like a yeah, yeah. standard old variety show. Uh, maybe not so standard in nineteen uh, what nineteen fifty four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, but there was a performer, uh, Duncan at twenty one, who had uh, been part of a dance quartet, and uh, he is an African American guy. And Betty wanted to have her, right? Wanted to have him on her show, and the station did not like that, and told her, "No, you can't have him on the show." And her response to the station at the time was, "I said I'm sorry, but you know, he stays. Live with it." So yeah, Duncan was on the uh, on the Betty White show at the time, and yeah, super based response from Betty White there. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It's a little thing, you know. It's easy to look at her from, like, later years stuff. But, like, earlier on, she was pretty awesome, too. She was pretty awesome her whole life. 
So, uh, yeah, just kind of, I wanted to talk about that story. Uh, I've seen better articles about it. This Washington Post one isn't very good. I assumed Washington Post would be decent on an article like that. But yeah, this is kind of all over the place. <laughs> I think it's a great story. I don't think it's the best article on it, but <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, I can't, I can't rag any journalist for doing it. No, no, no. It makes I mean, sense. I, I don't. I, I would have written something on my WordPress, but mm. I really don't think there's much I could say mm. about Betty. Mm. <laughs> can't be told through. I think people who knew her best could tell better testimonies about oh. her. Absolutely. Well, she like she was a legend. Yeah, and just hearing, I've like enjoyed hearing stories about her more about like from her co-stars and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I actually am going to find a quote that I found that I thought was the best fitting for it. Nice. Uh, this is uh, what George Takai posted on Twitter shortly after he heard the news of her passing. Our national treasure, Betty White. Has passed just before her 100th birthday. Our Sue Ann Nevins, our beloved Rose Nylon, has joined the heavens to delight the stars with her uh, imitable style, humor, and charm. A great loss us, or a great loss to us all. We shall miss her dearly. That's I mean, good. yeah, I, yeah. It kind of had it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it kind of summarizes all our thoughts on uh, her like, at this moment because she was our national treasure. Mm -hmm. National treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I knew that she always lived in comedy mm -hmm. and always wanted to make a joke. <laughs> yeah. What? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think she was really shined on the years that she did appear on those Comedy Central roasts, personally. I'm not familiar with those. Um, uh, yeah, they would do their own kind of take on the Friars Club, but they just called it the Comedy Central uh, roast. I mean, yeah, I, there's some that are less than desirable. The, yeah, I know, like, you know, of Justin those, Bieber, but yeah, like Justin Bieber. Yeah, no, there's a couple of those I remember. There, we're doing a roast of so and so. I'm like, why? Yeah. And then, and then there's another guy who turned out to be like you know a real piece of shit. They did a roast of him. They actually did two people like that. Yeah, I, want to, I don't remember who, but I remember they've done people well, like that where it's like, ooh. Both are actors. One became a president. The other's just a posing as a professor. Ooh. <laughs> so you did one on Joe Biden? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, actually, I realized something. All the times that everyone's ever said, let's go, Brandon, they're actually saying, let's go, Branson, as in Missouri. Yes, clearly that's what they're saying. <laughs> yes. Actually, I, I, I cannot take credit for that. I saw that today from a t-shirt company called Raygun. Mm -hmm. You should check them out, Raygun yeah. t-shirts. Let's let's talk about uh, Smoochie's Magic Jungle. Well, speaking of death, yes, the first movie we're going to cover is a classic, Death to Smoochie. It's a classic uh, Bobby is super familiar with that I've never seen until oh. this weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy about that. Okay, so prior to watching it, did you watch like a trailer or anything before? Uh, I didn't watch any trailers recently. That being said, I was always aware of this movie. Um, okay. I always thought I thought it sounded cool when I first heard of it when it came out, but uh, never just never got around to seeing it. Okay, did you watch the clip I had sent you? The clip? The no, I don't like think just, I did. Okay, okay, because I sent you one that was just perfectly out of context, just a clip out of context. <laughs> 
I'm not going to lie. Occasionally I get stuff like that and I'm, I always intend to click on it, but then like I'm at but work or something and then I just move on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. <laughs> All right. So, okay, cool. So first impression prior to the film, prior to viewing, what were your thoughts? Oh, uh, I didn't know much about it. I knew it's Danny DeVito. Uh, probably I'm most familiar with him from the movie, throw mama from the train. So I'm expecting something kind of twisted. Also kind of knowing the basic premise, knowing it's going to be like this dark comedy um, yeah. just kind of going into it kind of hopeful. Afterwards, I'll say I really enjoyed it. It's it's not like I like if I'm judging it based on versus Throw Mama from the Train, I don't think it's as good. But okay. I think it is uh, good on its own merits. Uh, but yeah, it's I just love how quirky it is. I love Danny DeVito definitely loves his quirky characters. Like even the straight men in his movies are weird. Yeah. Which in this movie, I'm not even sure who the straight man would be. Maybe Edward Norton, uh, but he is super oh, weird. He is super definitely weird. Edward, definitely Edward Norton. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say it's him, but yeah. like, it's more of, I think, as opposed to like, you know, the wacky and zany character versus the straight man character. Yeah. I think it's probably more of like a combination of that, but with a fish out of water element. Yeah, as opposed to being out of out of out of like you know like a fish out of water, it's more of they're putting shelled in the fish in a barrel. Yeah, and that barrel is New York City. And yeah, to give you an idea if you haven't seen this, which is this is worth seeing, but this also isn't easy to track down. It's not streaming right now. You kind of yeah, no, you have to buy it to, or rent it on yeah. through Amazon. At least I rented it through Amazon. Yeah, I I actually uh, went ahead and sucked it up, got the ten bucks, and bought it through Amazon. My DVD is so worn, it doesn't even play anymore. Well, that's the thing. Like, standard definition, you can still get, like, a DVD. But if you want to get HD, yeah. you got to buy it and stream it. Uh, yeah. you got to do digital if you want HD of this, which is shocking. I'm like, how does this not have a Blu-ray, at least? Yeah. I mean, I can understand not having a 4K, because lots of stuff doesn't have 4K. But Blu-ray? Shit. Yeah. I didn't think this movie was that underground. <laughs> Apparently, because yeah. I think it would look... Amazing in like on Blu-ray and um, even better on 4K. Think about yeah. those sets. <laughs> yeah, for the ending. Well, the ending. Well, this movie is like, largely just so bright and colorful, and which it is, is why it's also super dark, which is great. <laughs> well, it it goes from these really super bright and like you know, um, well, let's set it up. It starts yeah. off with a. Uh, with a Robin Williams character, a guy who's a kid show entertainer by the name of Rainbow Randolph. Yeah, talk about colorful right there. Oh yeah, so the set is a, <laughs> and is like a magical rainbow set, and a, he does a big song and dance number for the kiddies with bright lights and colors. Uh, even da little dancing. What were they? Uh, the, cr the the Crinkle Kids. Angelo Pike and the Crystal Yeah, I want to say like, something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was Angelo Pike, which was a, a group of uh, little people entertainers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> which, okay, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little issue, but yeah. whatever. They're getting work, okay? They're getting... That, uh, but that's kind of the first dark humor joke that you get in this. Mm -hmm. It just only goes uphill from yeah. there. Well, I mean, we see, like, early on that he is super sold out. Like, everything has oh, yeah. the Rainbow Randolph brand on it. Uh, kids yeah. cigarettes, hey, here you go. 
<laughs> you caught the kid's cigarettes. Yeah, no, actually, I can't take credit for that. My uh, my child caught it and said, "Hey, there's cigarettes on there." I'm like, "No way!" I rewound it and saw it. <laughs> I, that was still the third time after the first time I watched it. I caught the kid's cigarettes. Yeah, it's like nice. <laughs> yeah, that's like, oh, that's that's not right. But yeah, we we I mean, not long into that, we see how super corrupt he is. We see uh, what well, there's a bribe yeah. to get I assume there's somebody's kid on there. Yeah, these parents try and bribe him with a briefcase full of money, yeah. which is just a, a nice trope. You never know how much could get yeah. inside of a briefcase or whatever, but it's just a bunch of bills. So they hand it and they hand it to him. They go, "You're going to make sure my kid dance up front, gets to sit in the chair, right?" And he pretty much accepts the bribe. Tells him, "Don't tell him how to run." No, he calls his kid a little booger eater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell yeah, don't tell me how to run my business. And turns out they're feds yes. busted in a bar. Yeah. This is really yeah, the darker what... side of children's entertainment. <laughs> yeah, so this is how this movie starts. Yeah. This is like like this isn't even spoiler territory. We're like within maybe maybe ten minutes, probably closer to five though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, essentially we got a station with no uh no child like essentially the station's called Kids Nets, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if they're a full-fledged station or just like a syndication thing, but it's KidsNet. It's yeah, kid, it's the KidsNet network. So I'm if, if yeah, it sounds like a station. City, I'm gonna assume they're nationwide. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that, and I'm gonna assume that it was either a slight dig at Disney and Nickelodeon at the time. Oh yeah, probably. I didn't even put that together, but yeah, it makes absolute sense. Because <laughs> I mean, like. The logo isn't exactly, you know, mimicking one or the other. It's kind of borrowing from both. Mm -hmm. Definitely. <laughs> or maybe Danny just used it as a generalization. Yeah. But well, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I no, I, don't, I can't give Danny that because I don't think he wrote it. I think someone he knew wrote it and he just helped him depict it. Well, I'm sure. I mean, he, <laughs> he it's worth, uh, I don't know if we said this, Danny DeVito directed this. So he yeah. definitely has an influence on how stuff looks in his movies. Yeah, and, um, and I also know that like him and Williams were also producers of this as well. So I mean, if Robin found it hilarious enough mm -hmm. to help fund it, oh yeah, well, I'm, this definitely seems like something to be right up Robin Williams' alley. Um, oh yeah, like he def he doesn't he never shied away from doing dark stuff. So, <laughs> oh no, never, never. So all right, so. We see a, a board executive played by a very young and not graying John Stewart. I know. When he popped up, it's like, oh, awesome, John Stewart. <laughs> oh, John. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. A baby face, John Stewart. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even have any facial hair. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, yeah. <laughs> well, his, his hair is filled with color now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's real salt and peppered now. Uh, he's he's not even salt and pepper. He's 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 yeah, entirely he's, salt. <laughs> yeah, he's entirely. But you know what? He, that guy is, just does amazing work. Oh yeah, I I cannot knock at him at mm -hmm. all. I got nothing but respect for her. That man. Oh yeah, no, John Stewart's awesome. I uh, also want to throw uh, since go a little bit off here. Throw a little respect to Danny DeVito, who is also awesome. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he's he's huge Bernie supporter, which I totally get. And yeah. he always throws support behind unions and strikes and stuff like that, which I 100% respect. Yeah. So Danny's always been behind the working man. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Danny DeVito, someone else always gets my respect, period. 
period yeah i and years ago i did find this really cool video on a on the band of fish on one of their fan forums mm-hmm. somebody spotted him at one of their shows nice <laughs> like like dead honest i was like oh holy crap because <laughs> i watched the video so i was like danny danny what's up what's up he just turns around he's like i'm waiting for fish man yeah <laughs> just turned right back towards the stage and i was like that is the coolest answer ever so we got john stewart yeah, that's- they're so desperate in the mindset. Yeah. Getting his ass reamed by a board of executives, yes. <laughs> which like I love the camera work in this. Oh, yeah. Because like all the shots on John were like looking down and all the ones on the executives were just looking up. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just just subtle and beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful little work like that. And just God, Danny is such a brilliant director. I love it. Well, yeah, he he tells, he tells his like camera guys and director of photography what he wants. Mm hmm. Mm, great teamwork all around. Well, he loves to do his quirky stories and just throw you as much as possible into the twisted world that he's going into. <laughs> well, yes, and there's a beautiful example of that later in the film that I'm going to bring up. Uh, and it's it's one of my favorite moments in any of his movies. But So you we go to Jon Stewart and uh, his assistant, um, Kathleen Kern, right? Kathleen Keener. Keener. Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener, yeah. Yeah, she was all over the place at that time. She still pops up fairly regularly. Yeah, and I've looked back at, like, that movies from that time period, I was like, holy shit, she did get a lot of work this time period. Yes. I think the first time I noticed her was uh, Being John Malkovich, which was just a yeah, being couple John- years before this. Come on. Yeah, yeah, Being John Malkovich. And she was great in that. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. <laughs> Yeah. If you're looking for something twisted, there's another uh, If you want to look up just a little bit of weird. Yeah. But, yeah, so they're going through different uh, kid show hosts through this parent giant folder they have. And apparently we're finding out that a lot of these people are just despicable human beings. Yes. They talk about this guy named Boogie Ding Dong. They go heroin mule. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. What was the other one? Uh, they said that was he was he was arrested. No, there's there's quite a few I don't remember, but yeah, there's there there was a few that were just kind of uh uh yeah <laughs> there was some lady that she asked uh, him and she did like a popping gesture so he's and he said don't break my balls and it's like oh I get it she must have gone uh. <laughs> yeah. That's just like, oh, this is just you're getting the jokes and getting the feel that the yeah. majority of these people are just terrible. And yeah. this network has had a slew of terrible failures of kid show hosts. Yes. <laughs> it gets they find they find one, Sheldon Mopes, Smoochie the Rhino. Mm-hmm. And they're reading about it, it's like this guy is perfect. He has never had a whiff of controversy. Nothing yeah. is ever he is this guy is perfect. I believe this, the phrase Stuart used was he's a bottle of pancake syrup with legs. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Which I've always loved that and <laughs> I've used that ever since I've seen that movie because that is just so funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, as I recall, didn't Catherine Keener have issues with him? I don't remember what. Maybe she thought he was too clean or something like that. But Who, John Stewart? No, the, the Catherine Keener character. No, John Stewart was 100% on board. As I recall, oh, yeah, he, no, he kind of yeah, forced it. That's right, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, she just thought, like, are you serious? Are we stooping yeah. to this level already? Yeah. Like, are we really going this route? Yeah. She doesn't think, like, are you serious? We could just get one of these guys in and tell them to play ball. Mm-hmm. But nope. Nope. He That's 
John Stewart was her boss, so she went out, found him at a methadone clinic on yeah. Stony Island, <laughs> <laughs> playing to a bunch of uh, dope fiends. Yeah, in his costume and everything. <laughs> In his big homemade costume, yeah. which I think is like an old wrestling football helmet. Yes. He paint, painted pink and yeah. made a rhino head. He's got big old stuffing. Like, it just looks like a giant fluffy Muppet coat. Yeah. <laughs> some sweatpants with some hockey pads. Yes. <laughs> it looks very homemade. <laughs> very, very homemade. And he just is. like DIY and... This guy just seems so green. Oh. So green in this world. Well, that's, that's part of the thing. Like, we, we introduce this character as they're, as she's getting introduced to him, and he is just so... Oh, my God. Just way too, like... Like, I, I want to say good, but, like, it's almost frustratingly good because it's like everything is just got to be, like, all natural, all perfect. Yeah, but I think also at the same time, you get this genuine sense with it. Like, oh yeah, he's being real. Like, you know, he's being very real, and it's that, and you see that kind of look of just shock. Like, oh my god. Yeah, he is. He is hardcore into this. <laughs> he is into it, and then they go to get hot dogs and. He gets a big speech about what it would take to throw some soy dogs and get in gluten-free buns. In yes. Hot, which I just find fucking hilarious. Yes. It's like, oh my god. Oh my. But uh, he even has a... He doesn't even use ketchup. He has his black shit he keeps in his bag that he puts on the hot dog. Looks kind of like oil. It's, it's a little with gross. almond butter. It's a little fucking gross looking. <laughs> Little fucking gross. He gets some stuck in his teeth. Yeah, and it makes his teeth look fucking green. It's like, oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> I just wonder how many takes Edward Norton had to do with that. Oh, I don't know, but it, it, it's pretty awesome. You know, and this is this is the straight man. This is supposed to be like your. This is the closest we get to him, like an everyman character in this movie, because he is yeah. the, somehow the most normal. <laughs> Well, I would say, in argument, I think everyone else would be the everyday man. And maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe Danny DeVito. No. No, no, not Danny DeVito. Spinner was, Spinner was the straight man. Oh, God. <laughs> we haven't got Sure, sure, yet. yeah. But, yeah. So, he gets the show. We get to see uh, them actually make a very nice costume for him. Like, Barney, the dinosaur-style costume. Like, Pretty good-looking, man. Bring it. Yeah. Yeah, it... I think they actually put serious effort into it to make it actually look like this could be a children's show costume. Which they did. They I did really appreciate into it, and I really appreciated the fact that he even had it so he could still play the guitar. That yes. was like, oh, that's a very nice touch. Mm -hmm. Well, it, nice touch. it's all details like you know how he clearly buttons on the the arms, which yeah. like for like a long term shirt that makes sense, but for something like a movie, they won't need to do that. But they went ahead and put that extra detail into it, which I really appreciate. Really. And even later, you see him in a scene unbuttoned. Yeah, plenty of times, yeah. Like, and it's just, yeah, that little bit. Now, I wonder how much of that was DeVito or Ed wanting to be that. I don't know. Ed, I know Edward will get a bit uh, into that, but... Uh, but we get, we get great yeah. stuff out of it. Yeah, it works. Like, I mean... Yeah, it works. <laughs> it, wor it totally does. <laughs> so, after the full, full transformation, we see the set. Mm-hmm. 
because earlier we did it, we saw a quick little montage of the whole Rainbow Randolph set getting torn down after we found out he was corrupt. We see a new set get put up just as quickly. Yes. Which I think is a very nice touch because it's like, wow, yeah. So they've gotten really good at this, guys. That crew has gotten really good at tearing down and setting it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and yeah, they just reuse everything. What the spinner was the spinner kids or spinner rats? Anyways, yeah, the, uh, they're the Rynets now. Yeah, he yeah, the... had the Crinkle Kids. Now they're all the yeah, Rynets. the Crinkle Kids. Yes. Now they're the Rynets. Yes. <laughs> yeah, spinner. And you see a, a scene where Edward Norton, before their first show, going up to the I guess the lead of all of them. Uh, this guy, Angelo Pike, he's like, hey, I just want to say I was a really big fan of what you did with Rainbow Randolph, and I just really appreciate you coming on board and, you know, being a Ryanette and being a part of the show with me. <laughs> yeah. He just goes, meh, job's a job. Yeah, I, I get paid the same. I'm good. <laughs> I mean, in theory, they're all probably contracted to the network. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> it, it, by this point, they're probably all contracted. Yeah, networks like we better make use of them. Shit. <laughs> I mean, like they probably have all went in like, look, none of us have ever had a drug addiction. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I guess before Rainbow Randolph, it was Buggy Ding Dong. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was the first one. <laughs> yeah, I would guess at least, man. Because they make mention of him the most, and that's just the logic I have. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This movie is kind of interesting to me because I think there's just so much more to it. That oh yeah, ex- that <laughs> never, that never did. <laughs> so how many spinoff movies do we need? I think we need a smoochy cinematic universe. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> need a smoochy cinematic universe. Ah, <laughs> uh, but we can't have Robin. That's sad. That yeah. didn't sad again. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so. We first see uh, Robin Williams try and get make contact with John Stewart, mm-hmm. and you know, he just tries to ask him for help. He's like, "I have nothing. I'm out on the streets. I don't have anything." And John Stewart just kind of gives him a benefit freebie bag that he got from some yes. fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Is that a pretty much a fuck up? Yeah. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he ever needed except nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it was like a disposable camera, mm. hand sanitizer, or, or yeah, it was it was skin moisturizer and like all in a rum flavor or amaretto flavored peanuts. Yeah, Robin Williams is going down a dark path, which he was already kind of down in that uh, Rainbow Randolph. Yeah, he was already going kind of going down that. Yeah, yeah he was. He was already kind of living life fairly corrupt, taking bribes. Yes. Hmm. Well, one of the things that well, one of the things that kind of annoys me with this movie. But also, uh, kind of works, and I'm so mixed on it. Is uh, the Catherine Keener character? She okay. is kind of developed to be kind of a. Uh, she's kind of a straight man character too, almost. But her big thing is that she likes to fuck essentially these child entertainers. Mm-hmm. That seems to be her kink. So. At first, I didn't like it because it almost felt like, oh, we have a, a female character who's prominent, and of course, she's going to hook up with Edward Norton. That feels just super forced and just super obligatory. But also, making it a kink made me kind of like it, just because it's yeah, so yeah, wrong just, at that point. It, well, I think it kind of took on that trope and then just yes. kind of, uh. <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, it's established that she is an ex of Rainbow Randolph. I don't think we get anything with Buggy and her, but just kind of... 
Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that was a, a, a no, something I, th- I had a mixed I think feeling. So. I was think there so. a thing of buggy in her? I think I think there was a line of dialogue. Oh god, two of them. There might have been, where it's just like, oh, of course. <laughs> What's wrong? Don't think I remember. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh, that actor though. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know his name, but All it's right. guy from Ghost. Uh, yeah, the the uh, bottle cap, the quarter guy. Yes. All right, so Robin Williams is starting to go off the deep end. He sneaks onto the set for the first uh, day of a. Uh, no, it wasn't the first day of filming. It was like a. No, it was a couple days into day. it. Yeah, but yeah, it was a couple days into. Oh it, yes, that's right. The set. <laughs> so he decides what he's gonna do is he's just gonna get back at him. He's going to get back at him because there's yes. a cookie segment. Yes. And before the show, we see uh, Sheldon, uh, Edward Norton's character, and uh, Kathleen Kern's character arguing over a part of the show. And, you know, pretty much, you know, she wants him to sell a bunch of sugar and stuff to the kids. He's like, no, no, that's that's wrong. These are kids. And he kind of calls her out for it. And you see her kind of just have a, mm-hmm. oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, like, he's right. And she's pissed off because, you know, he called her out on her BS. And he goes and doesn't change the lyrics. But she's about to yell at him and lose her cool with it. And then we see, like, him pull out a cookie from a cookie bag. And it's a penis cookie. Yes. No. No, it was a rocket. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, well, he tells the kids it's a rocket ship. Yeah. It's Robin clearly a penis. Running out and then ru- and then says probably some of the best one-liners out of the Yes. Movie. Oh, God, I forgot about like, that. Yes. Like, see his Jimmy and the Twins, <laughs> Rumple Foreskin. Yeah. Uh, Dickamus Maximus yeah. is what he said. It's the one-eyed wonder weasel. I know he definitely straight up calls it a penis at least once. Yeah, a penis. Yeah, yeah. a penis. Yeah. But we all know it's a Jeff Bezos uh, spaceship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Bezos ship. Yeah, it's a Bezos ship. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that was a classic moment. And yeah, his his one liner is really you just see him going off the deep end because it's like. His whole prank is essentially failing under the rocket ruse, which it's obviously not a rocket, but fuck it, yeah. you know, he's making do Edward with what Norton he's got. Saved that. Yeah, he saved it. He totally it. saved it. So he's like, no, you can't save it. I'm going to go on the set right now and just call it every dick thing I can think of. <laughs> yeah, and then he uh, gets uh, thrown out. Of course. And, two, like, the, and what starts is like a lot of hilarious scenes of Robin Williams just getting the shit beat out of him oh god yes like uh he, he gets thrown out of the set and it's like on this metal staircase mm-hmm. that goes right into a brick wall so he falls and hits like every note to concrete stairs yes right? yeah against the against the wall so he's hitting every step the wall and then smacks right into the wall at the ground and, and you see like a tooth even yeah fly. i was about to say i think one of the first things he does is spit out a tooth once he lands <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, he gets beat up as the movie goes, which... Uh, oh, just gets the crap kicked out of him throughout this whole movie. Yeah, I think there's even a point where he just gets a new bruise and he just says, oh yeah, this happened. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think the next scene is he goes over to Angelo's house and he just says, I have nothing to do. Like, I need help. You know, and Angelo lets him in because he sees that he just needs help. Mm-hmm. And he tries to help him out. To Angelo's credit, he does legitimately try to help him. Yes, he does. Very much 
Uh, he's an example of no good deed goes unpunished, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't go too <laughs> bad for him, but yeah, he... Rainbow Randolph watches something. Well, he watches Edward Norton on TV, but uh, I remember exactly he what he's starts... watching, but he just freaks the fuck out. You know? Yeah, he starts beating up a TV, calling yes. him like, you know, you illegitimate son of, son of Barney. Yeah. You illegitimate Teletubby. Yes. Bastard son of Barney. Yes. <laughs> uh, and when this is happening, all I can think is, oh, God, poor Angela. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, his TV. Yeah. And it's an old picture tube TV to give you an idea of the time, because Angela was oh, like, oh, my God. Nice. That was That's a, a picture in picture. Yeah, it's a really nice TV. Well, okay. <laughs> that, line, that line still cracks me up. Yeah. Picture in picture, man. <laughs> the picture in picture. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but, uh, what? I, sometime before this, I believe, we get introduced to Danny DeVito, who becomes yeah, Edward Norton's right. agent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's awesome. He's just, he's a scumbag here. Uh, he's which, a sleazebag. I know, Danny DeVito playing a sleazebag uh, is so contrary to everything you've ever seen him play. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, absolutely. Yeah, he he's just a sleazebag. He's working for uh, Mer oh Merv Green, as played by Harvey Firestein, who I remember when we don't see him, we just hear his voice. And it sounds like Harvey Firestein, but like toned down. So I'm assuming it's not Harvey Firestein, but then we see him and it is. <laughs> and it's him. He's just kind of speaking at a lower voice. I he's kind of doing yeah. Batman. And it also makes me wonder, is this his normal voice and he plays it up normally? Or is the playing up his normal voice? I don't know. <laughs> but right, uh, yeah, so yeah, we do meet Danny DeVito. He play he meets Edward Norton and they become and then he becomes his agent. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but he's actually working yeah. for Harvey Firestein, who is a big mob boss, it appears, in the ice Ice capade for the circuit, parade of something hope. like that. For yeah, the yeah, the parade of hope. I, for children. I love how this movie talks about the just makes these like charities just like gangsters. I love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought that was a very nice touch. Yes, <laughs> we are a nonprofit. We will fuck you. We will. So let's not fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh -oh. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like I think the best way is like the first time he ever met. Uh, the first time when Edward Norton met Harvey Firestein's character, he's like, you ever try getting that across without the firearm? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Danny DeVito gives Edward Norton a gun as well, which uh, he does. He was not he happy like, about. <laughs> yeah, he calls it like, yeah, call it a tool of the trade. Yeah, this <laughs> is something you're just going to have to do, man. <laughs> it's like, but okay. That will come into, but, but that will come into play a little later. Oh, yeah, we... Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, that will come into play a little later. <laughs> no, when a main character so, gets a gun, it never comes into play. I don't know where you're getting your information. <laughs> no. So, all right. Uh, we One of the times that they're at the ref, actually the same time that he gets, uh, or I think it's right after that, or the first time that he meets Danny DeVito, they also are at this restaurant, the same restaurant where they is apparently the only restaurant that everyone eats at in New York City is the same restaurant that we see throughout the whole movie. It's the same place. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like it. 
Did you realize that it was the same place? I didn't catch time? that was literally the same place, but I caught that always looks the fucking same. <laughs> like, every place it's they go the is same. the same. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the same bar every <laughs> time. Nice. <laughs> but, so yeah, so they go to this place, and, you know, Dan DeVito's telling Edward Norton about it, and it's like, yeah, this place, it's Irish ran. It's Irish mob ran. The Irish mob owned this place. <laughs> sure, sure. Mm. And we meet some of the people in the Irish mob. A lady by the name of Tommy Carter. Yes. Mm. And, you know, she has her goons. And the person who's the poster boy of this place is a retired boxer by the name of Spinner Dunn. Yes. Um, Spinner's had a lot... Champ's had a lot of matches. He's had, a, he's had some hits to the head. Let's just say that. Champ, uh. Yeah, Champ is, Champ's had a hell of a career. Yeah. You, he, you could see, you could hear it when he talks to you. Yeah, he uh, he's special. Uh, well, one of the things he always does, which was kind of funny, every time he'll be like, "Hey, I'm Spinner." It's like, "Hi, Spinner." He's like, "No, I'm Spinner." No, no, I'm Spinner. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. We've established that. <laughs> I I am well aware of your name and my name. <laughs> yeah, he's he just seems like a guy who is super well-meaning. He's a nice guy. Super nice dude. Yeah, just, but just you know, not all there anymore. A, no, no. <laughs> as as Edward Nor Norton put it, it's like, you know, he happens to be a very sweet person, just, you know, with the dis disposition of a 5-year-old. Yes, yes. That would be a good way to and put it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he, he's he's a very great person, an ambassador for his sport. He just happens to have the sweet disposition of a 5-year-old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but but Spinner is uh well isn't Spinner even a fan of uh Smoochie before mm -hmm. or did yeah a big fan of Smoochie so loves Smoochie but he is such a nice guy so he he does get a role on the show at first he's playing the cowboy bell the yeah, cowbell yeah he's playing like a safari man who's playing a cowbell yeah there's a well after a while that goes you know a little well. Yeah. Uh, one day, this is after Edward Norton has some full control, he gets a phone call from somebody. Somebody saying they were having a charity that he would like for him to be the host of, where it's going to be a, a big charity event where it's going to be an orphan that's going to present him with an award for his continued dedication for children entertainment. Really, it's a it's 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 Robin Williams' character pulling a con on him, and he's no. like, well, "Yeah, it's like, and it's like, great, great, I'll have somebody by." He speaks to him in one accent over the phone. Yes, <laughs> then picks him up and has a completely different accent the second time. What? Like the first time, it's almost kind of like a Scottish accent. Yeah, and uh, the and when he goes to pick him up and drive, it's a full-on English accent. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of okay with that. Because I just feel like it's him trying to do different characters, trying to fully flesh out the con. But as he's driving yeah. him and escorting him, he bounces back and forth quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's he bounces between the Scottish and the English to his normal voice. Yeah. <laughs> and back to the Scottish and then to his normal voice enraged. It's 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 really great just to watch Williams just kind of literally drive this scene. Yeah. Literally. And figuratively. <laughs> I even, I'm not even 100 sure how much of that was scripted. Because just knowing Robin, that could just be him just doing shit off the cuff. Just, hey, can I just do goofy accents all over the place here? Sure. <laughs> I know that on the old DVD I had, there was like a scene of like bloopers. And there was quite a few of that angle of Robin in the front and Ed yeah. in the back. And even hit like oh, that shot of him leaning over and a few of like both of them laughing. Yeah. <laughs> 
which really it's like oh can i see that whole reel yeah, yeah. they just laughed and broke character while they did that mm-hmm. i would just like i would keep a tally who made who laugh the most yeah but yeah we all know it was robin <laughs> oh yeah we all know it would be robin <laughs> But uh, let's see. So the con that he's t- that he's pulling them on, we, we're in an old tractor warehouse, and it's in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it looks sketchy right when you see it pull up, and you're just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Mope's just being so naive. Very well-meaning, so na- this guy. <laughs> so well-mean, but so naive. Yes. <laughs> Going, wow, I've never played a tractor warehouse before, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I mean, obviously, there's some red flags already. Yeah. See, like, a few shuttle buses there, a bunch of big tractors and farm equipment, but, you know, not, not a lot of real cars or anything, any signs of any sort of, like, people. We just, we hear a slight rumble, but nothing really. Mm-hmm. Just general kind of talking. And then we hear a voice... We are proud to present our very special guest, all the way from the special jungle, Smoochie the Rhino. <laughs> he walks out, there's a big light on him, and he's like, hi, New Jersey! And he starts playing a song, and he's like, well, you know, it's awful hard to see your friends, and he's holding his hand up a little. So yeah. <laughs> and he's just a little, it's like, I, it'd be, can we maybe turn the lights on so I could see your friends out there? Lights go, that lights go on, the house lights go on, room full of Nazis. Yeah. He's standing there like this. Yes, they all salute him back. And then, uh, Heil Smoochie. You get the sw- Smoochie. the big swastika banner drop behind him. Of course, that's when all the photos go off. Yeah, it is not a, not a good look. No, not, yeah. not a good look. <laughs> no, good look, bud. not a good look, bud. No, he is he is <laughs> stunned. Yeah. A great close up on him going. I hope I'm dreaming. <laughs> There's a great interrogation scene, and how they shot that was like, or how Danny did that with like these figure like or like obviously cops coming by. <laughs> Sorry, I just smacked ah. my microphone. Yeah. And like interrogating him questions like, is Smoochie a code word for white power? Oh, God. <laughs> How many times have you read Mein Kampf? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Adolf Hitler, your personal hero. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, he's like, I don't hate anybody. So does that mean you don't hate Nazis? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so he, he does get fired for a little bit from that. But I'm trying to remember well, why yeah. he gets back. Are they Do they just get so desperate because there's, like, no better no. alternative? No, mm-hmm. no. They find out that Rainbow Randolph set him up. That's right, yes. Like, yeah. he, goes to, he goes to Kathleen's uh, apartment. Oh, wait. That's right. I forgot to mention that. Um, I forgot to mention something. There's a scene when uh, Sheldon runs into her on the street. And he's trying to tell her, like, look, I was framed. I was set up. Mm. You know, I had no idea it was a Nazi rally, which she says probably my favorite joke in the whole movie. Funny, the 50-foot swastika behind you would have yeah. been the first clip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he has a good defense for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good defense, but still, though, like, you know, the 50-foot swastika yeah. should have been the first clip. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is right. And then Robin Williams comes to her later, and he's like, hey, I, can I get my job back? You know, you know, since since the rhino is a Nazi, oh, like, he does have a beautiful scene of him dancing in the park yeah. to it, where he scares a small baby. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, little nipple nibbler, the rhino's a Nazi." <laughs> <laughs> the baby cries. 
which that scene, just that lighting on there and all the camera work and his like kind of tap dance through Central Park was really cool. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that did look Central cool. Park yeah. Or not, but that was just it visually. It just looked so cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yes, it did. That... You know, was a brilliant director. I can't yeah. say that enough. Yeah, he he knows how to get a cool like shot. Just just the yeah. shot. He knows how to get the shots to get you in the proper mood for what you're about to see. Essentially, I I don't know how better to say it. He knows what he's doing. You know. Jeez, even that rally scene was epic. Yes, <laughs> it was all bright. You had no idea what was going on. You just as the audience member. You're just waiting for the lights to go down so it's finally revealed what the fuck this actually is. <laughs> and, like, you see all the lights from that perspective of the stage and them coming up going, like, that's a bunch. Then you see a few iron crosses in the back here. And as soon as your brain is processing, like, wait, what the... does a few close-ups on people. Some German old music is playing. <laughs> and you see the arm hands and you're just, oh, f- oh, fuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You just realize, like, oh man, <laughs> there is a scene right before, like, right before he gets that phone call to go to the uh, Nazi rally. Uh, it's uh, she comes over to apologize to him for being kind of rude during the show and commend him for how well he was able to save the show and the cookie segment and all that. And while she was drunk and she was over there, they both realized that they had the same favorite childhood entertainer. Mm-hmm. So. So when Rainbow went over there, we see a tape of her watching Ricketts the Hippo, which was their favorite one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, really, the quote that they said is a quote. I can't remember all of it. It's like, uh, it's like sometimes light is really dark. Sometimes Starks look like Lark. It was like, oh, I forget all of it, but it's it, it's a nice little lim- limerick, and I've always enjoyed it and kind of took that with something I've taken from the movie, that little bit of information, because it's it, it's good words. You know, like, it's the end of it is to said, don't think you know everything. Robin Williams' character comes over and kind of lets it slip that he had something to do with it. Yes. Mm. Well, he, he's, uh, he's giving out information that he shouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, saying things that are really weird, like, he's like, he said, like, you know, he's probably gay, too. You should have seen the way he was checking me out in the car. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> car, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know something about what happened to him? Yeah. Do you have anything to do with it? Yeah. And she ends up knocking him out, and somehow he got arrested. So I think she called the police. They got all that sorted out. New York City forgives Smoochie. And uh, Rainbow Randolph has a new uh, bump on his head somehow. He's... Yeah. He, he's... He, he's... Well, I kind of like how he does his downward spiral, and as he as he does it, it is, he's getting more wounds. He's... <laughs> We are forgetting uh, the thing that he did to uh, get paid or what he did to what caused him to freak out and break the TV. Those Irish goons, when they found out that, uh, oh, no, she came into the bar. That's right. And they and the Irish goons beat him up. The Irish gangsters beat him yes. up yeah. and turned him into the police because they go to the bar and, you know, we see Spinner. He's having a tough go of it. He's not happy what the news is calling Smoochie a Nazi. Mm-hmm. He knows he knows he's not a Nazi. He knows that's some bull. Yeah. And and he and she's like, I'm looking for Bird and he talked about Sheldon. That gets that gets Spinner's attention. Like, what's wrong with him? What happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Tommy sends his goons after him and they just beat the crap out of him. Yeah. And there's some pretty good good exchange. Like I think one of the funnier parts is with one of the gangsters where uh, the lead one, Tommy, she's like, like 
hey, Jimmy, do you have the hammer? He's like, always have the hammer, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a big party at the bar afterwards to mm-hmm. welcome Sheldon back. Uh, Tommy asked, is there any way we can get him another job? Like something that doesn't like, you know, make noise because this bell is giving me a headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, you know, I'll, tr- I'll see what I can figure out. Uh, he tells his agent, Bert, he was going to pull out of a nice show, but now he's going to do it. And instead, he's cutting out the Parade of Hope, a charity that is that he thinks is greedy and he doesn't want their hands on anywhere near it. And he's also doing it to save a methadone clinic. Yes. The same one he used to play at. So as he puts later, a lot of kids and a lot of junkies are really dependent on me doing this ice show. <laughs> no, essentially he said at first, I'm going to give half the pro- half, half the profits to this charity. It's like, oh my God, you're giving away half the profits. He's like, no, because I'm giving the other half to this charity. Yeah. There are no profits from this. There are no. There are going to be no profits from it. All the all the refreshments and snacks will be provided by me for yes. free. Yes, and they're all like, going to be healthy and it's like, yeah, oh juice, my god. free pretzel. It's like, oh, dude, you're cutting everybody out. Yes. They're very happy about this. They're... Yeah, yeah, and they're, yeah, they're all, like, freaking out. The Parade of Hope decides to put a hit out on Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Which that is... Their first- that is their first mistake. Yeah. Well, this is pretty much when we go into Act 3. So, Spinner's first first show and the new role. Yes, he is Moochie, uh, Smoochie's brother. Or is it his brother? I think it's, it's his, his brother. It's his cousin. Yeah. Cousin, cousin, his cousin, cousin. From an African like a wildlife preserve. So essentially he has the same costume, but a different color. But oh, it's the same yeah. costume. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, he does this. Out of, oh. He does a little bit good of a show yeah he gets a little stage fright the first time yeah it's not great but uh smoochie is able to cover for him largely and there's something to be said for not him constantly hitting the cowbell out of eat <laughs> yeah because that's how great it was before yeah he was having, <sighs> he was having fun yeah that's what that's what's important <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he, he said, means well He's a I'm ve- going to go get drunk now. Okay, you have fun, buddy. <laughs> Listen, he's not all there, but he is a very well-meaning guy, which means what happens to him next, as you might be able to tell, is yeah, super, part- super tragic. It's the low point of the movie by a mile. And it's actually the opening title card for the film we got earlier. Yeah. A complete shot where we see these goons rough up a dude in a rhino costume and put two in his head. Yes. Except- this time we know it's Moochie. Yeah, it is. It's Spinner. Yeah, Spinner gets yeah. whacked. Yeah. They dump him in Chinatown and they break his neck. And the uh, the family that uh, helps out Spinner, uh, they're not happy uh, about it oh, at no, all. That, that was his cousin. That was his cousin, the Irish mobster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she's not too thrilled. Uh, later we see Sheldon at the ice rink skating. Uh, Tommy comes to visit him. Mm-hmm. And this is the scene where I, I just want to just commend Danny as a director. You see them talking up in like a up a pavilion area. They're talking. We see the ice rink behind them. And, you know, it's like, well, so we showed a picture of like the crime scene, you know, to a cousin from the family. You met him at the funeral. He works for the coroner's office. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned that that broken neck, that's calling car to the Parade of Hope. Really? Who's the guy who runs that? They get his name. So then you see, well, Sheldon's thinking, okay, we know who. He's going to get a first-class ticket through the criminal justice. Yeah. It's already already taken care of. No, he's not. No. He's like, what do you mean? 
And he's like, well, sometimes. And you, it, in a line that really seems like she's talking to him and answering his question, we see her walk over to a new frame. And then she's in another, and camera switches in a new frame where we see Merv tied, beat up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I love that edit. Um. Oh, yeah. That was just, and, and without a cut on the audio at all, she's like, sometimes, you know, a man has to answer for his life, for his transgressions mm-hmm. in this world. And she's like, you want to talk? And then Merv's not giving it. And she's like, oh, it's like, oh, you did it for kids. Oh, okay. Hey, Danny, tell him about the one about the worthless prick who gets his head cut off with an axe. Yeah. Uh, so and we see the axe go up, and then a quick shot. To yeah, <laughs> a very mortified Edward Norton. Now, in the old DVD copy I had, there was a scene that was supposed to be right before that, mm-hmm. where Danny stood right off camera, and like they had the light and everything on this on the actress's face, and he squirted a little bit of red liquid that went right across where her eyes were. Ooh. Yeah, it, it's a shame he didn't leave that in because yeah, yeah that. I see why, but it oh, gets like the that. point across. But like, I like that too. Jack still gets the point across. Oh yeah, just fine. But I that think, is like, ooh, that's tasteful. I think there's now, even there's now even, we see shit like that in movies all the time. Yeah, and people go, oh, it's so stunning, it's so hard. Danny DeVito was doing this, <laughs> but he decided, nah. Yeah, he decided that was a bit too much, just to give you an too idea. Much. <laughs> you, get, you get the idea with the X. I mean, I love it. It looks great. It's something that just, mm-hmm. eh, you know. I love it. Nothing, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, but that's that, that was his note. Nothing wrong with this. Just time. Yeah, take it. You know, well, this wrong with it. When you're editing, there are like lots of times when you look at deleted scenes, you'll be like, oh, well, that's a good scene, but I see why you cut it because it's redundant, and that would yeah. be what that is. It's not bad. It's redundant. <laughs> There's some great scenes from the original Halloween mm-hmm. cut out only just because they repeat the same dialogue yeah. in the next scene and there's no point in being that repetitive but that latter scene just had a shot of Michael driving in the background so that's kept mm-hmm. exactly Little stuff and, it, and it's not even pivotal dialogue it's more of leave the keys under the Myers house mm-hmm. something like that yeah but, yeah I know what you mean though but yeah still though whoo yeah, great, great scene. That is like, oh, I yeah. love that edit. It's just so beautiful. And while you're still more just either in shock of what, you know, just how yeah. Edward Norton's character is feeling, you know, if you're in that much shock, uh, her boys are there to cause some levity. He's like, and then we took his head and played a little, oh, okay, Danny, I don't need to hear anymore. <laughs> well, I kind of sworn, wasn't there a line where John Stewart talks about finding his head or something? <laughs> on, the, on the concourse, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean The move well we always knew the movie was going towards a very dark direction. This is this is where it hits it. It's holy yep, shit. This is, this is just more of buckle up. Yeah. You know you know what we're we, this we're just getting started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh Bert and uh John Stewart's character, they start freaking out as you mentioned, you know, they found his head on the ground the concourse. So they decide we need to like take care of this. We need to get rid of the rhino. We just need to kill him. Mm-hmm. We need to do it. So they hire Buggy Ding Dong, <laughs> yes. another former host and a heroin mule. And uh, yes. it's the same mm-hmm. actor who played uh, in Ghost. He was the quarter guy, the guy who helped uh, you know, uh, Dalton move the coins. Yes, uh, Vincent Scalavelli. Scalavelli. Yes. Oh, gosh. I know he's. Oh yeah, he 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 was in career. Yeah, he's in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, you know what else he, he's been in? What? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, was he? I see yeah. the, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which is a movie I feel like I should watch again because I've only seen it once like a decade ago. But it comes up fairly regularly. Are you familiar with that one? Oh. That maybe we'll cover that one some point. He, he was also in those old Rhino home video ads. So yeah, they yeah. hire uh, they hire Buggy. Buggy oh, yeah. uh, somehow goes to the television station. Uh, kind of speaks in pseudonyms to Nora. That is Kathleen Kerner's name, Nora, her character name. Yeah, Kathleen. You know about Kier. how he's gonna Catherine be that. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, we're, we we both keep watching it. <laughs> but, yeah, so he keeps saying how he's going to be back on TV, and, you know, she goes over and thinks he's crazy. Rando, Rainbow Randolph then comes in, and they have, like, a very unclimatic end to a fight, but the, just the, the two of them together fighting at the end are cut or near end are hilarious. Mm-hmm. Where, like, you know, he's holding them down by the fire. Is this what you want, Rainbow? Is this what you want to go down in flames? The flames, they're burning me alive. Yes. <laughs> just, yeah, she just ends up eating them, and they just go, what the fuck is wrong with you mm-hmm. and you know he just realizes that you know he's just mad and you know he just he he, he breaks mm-hmm. yeah and then he just realizes that he just you know that sheldon says he just need you just need a friend you need someone to listen to you well i do think uh and, while he is hilarious rainbow rainbow randolph's arc is by far like a highlight of this movie it really is he he is. sells it you know <laughs> Yeah, and Williams just goes, you see the depth, and you see him at that low, and then him just kind of getting, you see the redemption that, we see the redemption later, but we see him realizing how wrong he is, and realizing that they just want to help, Mm -hmm. and he says, like, Sheldon's the real deal, and he's like, you're the real deal. Yes. Yeah, I I got, I'm, whatever you need, what do you need, I'm here. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And he's all for it. They realize that he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Or no, he goes over Angelo's... Or, uh, Buggy steals Angelo's press pass. Angelo calls Randy. That's how he goes and gets to the ice show to help out Sheldon. And mm-hmm. this is the end point of the movie. So they're yeah. at the big show. So, you know, Buggy's there. He's going to kill Sheldon. Sheldon's putting the show on as him. Burke and uh, John Stewart's character. They're in the stands, you know, just gonna be pretend to be shocked when it happens they know what's happening they're just waiting we see tommy and her boys there they're looking for rainbow randolph they don't know that he and sheldon are he doesn't know that they don't know that rainbows he's 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 on the up and up (laughs) there's a lot of moving parts in this part surprisingly for this movie there are so many moving pieces right now yes and Uh, uh i do want to point out like the the light show the ice show is kind of beautiful looking like I don't see yeah. them actually doing like an ice show looking like that in real life, but like for the film, which is obviously what it's made for. Oh yeah. my god, they get some great shots out of this silly ice show. Like it's Beautiful. oh my god, like the thing where like he's by himself skating to uh the body of Moochie. By the way, the ice show kind of covers kind of a lot of what's happened in the movie. Yeah. And you get a little bit where he skates to Moochie's body. It's like, "Oh my god, that is beautifully shot." Oh my god. Yeah. Like this is this is a work of art, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> My God. <laughs> and uh, we get to like the ending part of the ice show, or at least a big moment when Moochie's walking up to heaven, and that's when Buggy kind of comes in and out of heroin naps and takes his shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
while this whole climax of the show is going on, we see Rainbow get, we see Randolph get there. We see him run out to the crowd and see the laser beam because we see um, uh, Norris look at Bert and uh, John Stewart. They're looking up at where he is. She sees what he, what, uh, Rainbow sees what Nora's looking at. He looks in that direction. Tommy and her boys see Rainbow, and then they see mm-hmm. where he's looking, and they're kind of looking similar in the same way. Mm-hmm. But we don't see that. Yeah. It's just obvious because their eyes are on him, so that you're, you know they're going to see, well, what the hell is he looking at? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or if not, they're going to be looking up now. A bullet, a shot comes. It just takes off the, the antler yes. and an ear. Well, it's we're, not we're clear making, exactly what it, happens it, with that shot. Yeah, but, it's not clear, but we see it hit him. We yes. see pieces of the suit go up. And we see him and we see a buggy and Rainbow fighting. They go to fall off. Rainbow's holding onto his leg. And then he lets go. And then, like, probably in one of the greatest death scenes ever, he's falling. You hear him say, I never saw Venice. Nah. And, it, and it does that cheap thing of it following him as it falls. Yeah. But it's clearly, like, on a blue screen, how they filmed it. But and I just loved how that looked. One, I really enjoyed how that looked. One thing I would have probably added, and maybe he didn't want to do this, is just I would have had like a huge pool of blood around him on the ice rink, just in the middle of that children's just theater. Slowly, just yes, slowly. <laughs> just all over the no. place, just, just super so dark for the children's out. show. Yes, <laughs> and a murder, and a, and then the house lights come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> But we see, uh, you know, we see him. We see Sheldon get up. He's fine. He sees Bert running away. He goes after him. They start firing. They kind of exchange some gunfire, and then Bert gets the upper hand, starts threatening him. And, you know, he uh, tells him, you know, he just makes it clear he's about to kill him. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Uh, I changed my battery. Hold on. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't remember. I do not remember that in the movie at all. <laughs> Oh, I had to. Hold on. <laughs> we are chasing uh, Burke down. He, he starts to get the upper hand. Nora points a pistol at the side of his head. They're both pointing him in. And <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. And then Sheldon's pointing a pistol at him, too. And, you know, he's like, you're not acting very smoochy-like. He starts removing some of the stuff. He's like, I don't feel really smoochy-like. Yeah, Bert. yeah. And then he says, like, the greatest line in all. He's like, you just fucked with the wrong rhino. Yeah. The Irish gang comes up. They stop him from doing it. She's like, come on, don't throw who you, away who you are for this piece of shit. Yeah. Let us handle it. <laughs> I, I love it, because it's like, hey, don't you don't do this. We fucking yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, Tommy was the voice of reason for him. Yes. What I love is if you see, she's like, takes him, slowly just walks away. You know, just like really mothers him. In the background, you see the goons just beating the shit out of the two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's just like, yeah. And then they come back. And then she walks them off, sends them on their way. Like, you guys go. We got this now. Don't don't worry. Comes back, looks at both of them. You boys ever traveled before? Mm-hmm. About ready to do some traveling together. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ever traveled together before? Yeah. <laughs> Those are not some good last words you want to hear. No, no. No. And then it ends with, you know, Edward Norton and... Uh, Kathleen Kern. Kathleen Is Keener. Right? Catherine Keener. Keener. Oh my god. Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. Keener. Yes. Keener. Yes. Keener. You are so close. It's Keener. like both names are slightly wrong, but you are so close. Kathleen Keener. Okay. Mm. We see them kiss, camera spins around, and then we see a new show that is Smoochie the Rhino and Rainbow Randolph, best friends forever. Yes. 
to like the greatest end credit sequence I think I've seen on film in a long time. Well, we get the end credit scene sequence, and uh, I'm not sure how intentional it is because it's the credits are actually done in Comic Sans yellow with very basic uh, edits in them, <laughs> transitions in time, like stock transitions. You, you, you caught that too? Oh God, yeah, Jesus. I mean, I'm not. Not, I mean, that's that, that, that's uh, the kind of highbrow that Danny would go for, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, overall, excellent movie. Uh, one thing I did uh, want to bring up, uh, which I thought was a nice touch, was Robin Williams gets beat up throughout this movie, but when he has his turn, has his, wo- yeah, his wounds <laughs> are suddenly in much better shape. He, he's yeah, opening like both that. eyes 100%. He's doing a yeah. lot better, just physically. <laughs> yeah, that first shot after he and Edward Norton kind of, they resolve their differences in the ho- in his, like, in the suite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see him. He looks 100% better. Yeah. Instantly. Yep. And it's just like, huh, huh. So it's like a mindset thing. I notice, I've noticed that the more I watch it, and I do... Like it, and also like the times wherever we see him, mm-hmm. it gets from a period of being diff- deep, moderately lit to a little less lit, a little less, mm-hmm. a little more dark, a little more dark, and then very dark, mm-hmm. and then you know that firelight, and then hey, he was baptized in fire, yeah, and then better, yep, yeah, I guess so, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, oh excuse me, this was an excellent uh, movie, I really liked it. I I I dig. I just kind of dig Danny DeVito in general, but like just yeah. the style. Just, just we're gonna do dark shit. We're gonna well, go down a dark path. I, mean, <laughs> I definitely told you if you're familiar with Danny DeVito and how his films look and feel, mm-hmm. you'll love this movie. Yeah, and I think that's very true because it definitely has his signature all over it. But also, like I think with the cast as well. Because I feel like with the director, he definitely has a strong say in who is cast in his movies. But, like, they all definitely are very great at what they play. And, I don't know, I guess he gives the right direction to his actor, yeah. to his cast. <sighs> I I mean, I, I, I kind of want a set of those, like, you know, Smoochie and Rynette dolls. Those little wind-up toys. Yeah, I could probably go for that, but Smoochie would be 100% against it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the ones that are, would all be sold separately. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, that when they're in that scene, the marketing scene for Smoochy stuff, yeah. which, you know, a- Edward Norton looks like he was going to have an aneurysm over. Mm-hmm. I did love the shot of the Frisbee coming at him. Yes. Yeah. And in that documentary, or in that uh, DVD, there was like bloopers and behind the scenes, deleted scene stuff. Just all of that was just on one clip reel. Mm-hmm. Early DVD, like we're talking cardboard cover, flip over. No, oh, I hated those. <laughs> I did too. It just it, it looks so, so cheap. Bad on the yeah. shelf, yeah. Uh, and you never had enough to fill up a full shelf, like because you didn't want to own that many of them. Yes, yes. Uh, there was like a scene of of like the camera following that frisbee, and right yes. Edward, don't you see him duck, and then he kind of slid right back in the way because I yeah. guess it's on the track and you see him kind of push it backwards mm-hmm. so it's like oh is that like on a, a track yeah that's cool can i see more about how that shot was done yeah. and i just uh of course he's like oh you dropped that let me go get it and of course they lock him out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me go get it what the fuck what i love is amber in a dick measuring contest with brown on brown for the shampoo shampoo yeah 
Oh, and the cereal. Yum. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's uh, let's get into uh, Not of Thrones. Not of Thrones. Ah, yes. Well, uh, the, Witch of, the Witch of Vikings Thrones. Well, this is a. Uh, I love this series. <laughs> I don't think you're as into it. Uh, I think no, you probably uh, liked I, it more in the rewatch, but I, I did. And like the rewatch, I kind of tried to pay a little bit more attention, but I. I don't know. I felt like the exposition was really just hard to follow. Just for me, it mm-hmm. was. Now, I mean, from what I was gathering, I did like it. I just kind of felt having like those, I guess maybe three or four main storylines going through the first season. Yes, there are actually three timelines going on, and they yeah. do all converge. But yes, there are three timelines that are taking on it distinct points that converge at different parts throughout the series. Yeah. In that, fact. That- you see, if I would have known that going in, I would have had a lot more patience for it than I did. Because watching a lot of it going like, okay, so is this, we're following this, this must be important, but none of this information really seems like it's leading to anything that I'm aware of. Like, I don't know what it's building to. I don't understand why it's important to building to. Like, why is there that cauldron of... Why is that lady stealing up farm girls yeah. for her witchcraft sacrifice stuff? Like, well, just it was, I guess like the lore was lost on me, and maybe it's like I just wasn't aware of it going into it or first well enough to it. Well, like, I, I really felt missing out and not playing the game. Like, I, I really did. Well, I feel like, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I only played the game a little bit after watching the first season. Uh, and it was only Witcher 3 for a little bit. And it's not bad. I just I don't have the time for video games like I once did. Um, yeah. I've not read the books at all. To my understanding, they borrow a lot from the books here. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, maybe it's partially my fault. Because I don't like to tell people about the timeline stuff. Because I kind of thought there was a timeline thing going on in this second episode. And then when we get hard evidence of it in the third episode, I'm like, yay! And I always thought that was cool. I didn't want to steal people for that. But maybe I should. Because... I do yeah, feel like lots of people. Yeah, I feel like lots of people are just like, "What? There's a timeline thing." Yeah, because <laughs> with the third one, I'm just kind of at the end of it, going, "So why did we waste our time with all of that? And this couldn't have just been told like." <laughs> <laughs> well, just like I was just kind of like, "Yeah, like what?" I just thought it was unnecessary to explain it and set it up as opposed to just having that be pre-exposition prior to the series. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I am I wrote down a breakdown of the timelines to make it simpler for everybody. So I'm going to okay. go through it over here. Okay. So to define the timelines, I'm going to do some shorthand. So if we go based on alphabetical order, Siri would be timeline A, Geralt would be timeline B, and Yennefer would be timeline C. However, you might prefer if we do it based on order of appearance. So in that case, we'll call Geralt timeline A, Ciri's time, timeline B, and Yennefer timeline C. Okay. But of course, based on importance, I think we should probably do Geralt timeline A, Yennefer timeline B, Ciri timeline C. So now that we've made it simple, let's go ahead and talk. <laughs> let's go ahead and go through these episodes. Now, throughout the earlier episodes, we get clues that the timelines might take place at different times. Like, we see the adult versions of the characters in Episode 3 in Timeline A, A, or B, and we also see those characters are children in Timelines A, B, or C. In Episode 4, we clearly see the Timelines A, A, or B cross over with Timelines A, B, or C, but clearly in earlier time, 
since many of the characters in that episode die in episode 1 during timeline A, B, or C. <laughs> episode 5 sees timeline A, A, or B converge with timeline A, B, or C. Then in episode 7, we see that happening during timeline A, A, or B during the events of timeline A, B, or C during episode 1. And I finally, see, I don't have the money to replace my 70-inch television that I don't wait. put a hole through. Wait, wait, wait. No, it gets easier. And finally, we see in the season finale, we see timelines A, B, or C converge with timeline A, B, or B and timeline A, B, or C. I'm glad now I've been able to clarify everything. And all your questions yeah. on timeline are now answered. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> what? What? I thought that was very clear. It all takes place in timeline A, B, or C, or timeline A, B, or C, or timeline A, A, or B. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wait, what yeah. is it? <laughs> no, this thing, it does have a, the timeline thing I almost pseudo forgot about, because when I went back to rewatch it, it's like, oh yeah, there's totally a collapsing timeline thing. I want to say the most similar thing to it would be Dunkirk. Or is Dunkirk I feel might have done it, it definitely did it differently. Christopher Nolan and Dunkirk did like a very like systematic, this is the timeline for the pilot, this is the timeline for the people on land, this is the timeline okay. for... I, yes. I found some of my notes from like the uh, first first viewing of it. Yes. Or I guess like the uh, first half, which was like, I did end up like was taking notes very vigilantly, like the first three, four episodes. And then mm -hmm. I kind of put my phone down and got super hyper-focused on it. So, like, I did enjoy the first season, like, how it how everything wrapped up. I want to mm -hmm. be clear about that. But I, I'm i never that super stoked when it comes to video game adaptations. Oh, and, for good and reason. Yeah, for good reason. That, and that reason is probably the same reason that you have in oh, yeah. Super Mario Brothers. Oh, God. I, I, I wasn't even thinking that specific, but, like, all of them suck. When Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog is one of your best adaptations... You're in trouble. The stuff that I loved a lot about this was definitely like the world building that they did mm -hmm. in that in those. I I really got into that aspect of it. I was enjoying it, but I just kind of wish that every time they would cut to different AA or BA or C yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> they would I just I would be getting really hooked and like, okay, I'm starting to understand this lore. This is what I was wanting. I want the lore explained to me, so I get it. This is the first episode. You use this to build your world and, and, and explain your lore. They would just cut to a different story, and it's like, <sighs> okay, okay, where were we with this one? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that. Oh, this is the uh, little child. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, so Grandma is alive. Okay. But we, we, we did just see her left for dead. But, like, you know, I was enjoying the storytelling and, you know, the magic of the world and the background and the setting, the sets and everything. I just, I love the world building. Yeah, that's no. pretty much, I went on about that for a long time, yeah. No, the actual, like, production design for this mo oh, yeah. movie, for this series, is fucking gorgeous. Oh, my gorgeous. God. It looks amazing. Yeah, even like, the clothing and the armor and all of that. Yeah. Really great. Well, just the sets, the, oh. the fuck, the locations, those, like, I imagine. Those, oh, yeah, those God. Royal, those royal halls in almost every oh. castle we've seen mm -hmm. so far is just, wow, this yeah. looks cool. Yeah, the, this, 
the raw look of this blows and, away 90 percent of movies and it, took me, and it took me about five episodes to uh realize that the queen mm-hmm. the queen was maggie the frog from game of thrones oh i never caught that yeah. it took me about five episodes to kind of be like fuck she's maggie the frog yeah the wife was like, what? what are you talking about? She's Maggie the Frog. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, you know, like the lady who told Cersei that, you know, she'd have three kids and they'd all die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who predicted mm. her death, too. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. Well, not her, but... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I did straight think she was Lady Aaron for the first two episodes. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's like, huh, I, I swear that was Lady Aaron, but there's a kid attached to her teat. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you have brought Game of Thrones, and to me, this has yeah, always been yeah. Game of Thrones meets Supernatural. Yeah, and like the magic and everything, I, I, I was starting to really get it. But again, just I, I don't know. I guess I just kind of like it being spoon fed when it's something that is like you know medieval and mm-hmm. magic and dragons, because I feel that just kind of helps build it more as opposed to just going here's this magic. Yeah. Well, and they do, and they about it four episodes later. Yeah. Don't because yeah, one of the things I have noticed was they bring up how the magic, like you know, they make uh, something float, but then like their hand ages, and they have to learn how to channel it properly. I don't feel like that's well explained. It's like the one person ages their hand, and then the next person, you know, they focus it into a flower and kills the flower. But in general, they just then start doing stuff without really explaining what they're channeling into. And I thought it would be nice. You know, little touches. Like, you see them do magic, and then you see the grass around them die or something like that. You know, yeah. Something like that I think would be nice that they don't really focus as much on. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, actually, I'll talk about Dunkirk and the, the timelines. Because Dunkirk does a very formal thing. Have you seen Dunkirk? No. It's it's a World War II thing. I don't remember the event. It's a big event, though. But essentially, you have, like, Tom Hardy Battle and Aaron. Dunkirk? Yeah, well, yes, yeah. but yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's probably what it's about. <laughs> what, what? No? No, no, I'm pretty sure it's about uh, uh, something else. But <laughs> No, isn't that like a... That's a town, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I mean, it's been a while since world history, dude, so like, I'm gonna be honest. Essentially, what you have is, like, Tom Hardy's in an airplane. The entire movie takes place over, like, two hours for him. You have people on the beach... The entire movie takes place over something like two weeks for them. Okay. And you just got a beginning and end, and you see how there's points where it converges. I think there's also a boat, and the entire movie takes place over maybe a day for them. Hmm. And you just see them converge and deconverge at different points. It's done very systematically. Like, Christopher Nolan does stuff like that very systematically. This show does the same thing, but does it more artistically, where it takes kind of liberties, which might be kind of the issue a lot of times. Kind of- so, like, what you're describing, how, like, those edits and telling the story in different parts of the story? Yeah. That sounds like what Tarantino's been doing his whole career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Uh, and I'd definitely say Witcher's more in the Tarantino camp than Dunkirk. Okay. But yeah, uh, Dunkirk's I the most mean, clear for example. The, mm. For the violence in TNA department, can confirm. Yeah, oh yeah. I was very surprised about that at first. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought Universe Power was just, did she just take her top off? Is that her there's a, the, the, And I do think there's contract negotiations, because I know she's naked a lot in the first season, and then not all in the second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed how covering her clothing is. Yeah. 
Well, it does get a bit ridiculous in the first one. It's like every episode, I think we see uh, her naked. It's like, yeah, she's beautiful, but uh, come on, guys. Come on. I mean, like, <laughs> I go, I, I, I don't mean to sound belittling, but yeah, but it's just kind of more like, God, all right, like, is mm-hmm. this necessary for the spell? I mean, I think we see her topless more than Gerald, and yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's not even. Like, I don't even think that's technically considered nudity I mean, I for think a man. I the scene I've seen of excessive nudity so far in the second season was, like, what, in episode three or four? Where they find that whorehouse? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is yeah. there is not that much nudity in the second season. I, yeah, no. I think you're getting lots of contract negotiations towards that, which I get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good. Good. Because, I mean, sometimes it's excessive and when it's mm-hmm. called for, I guess it's called for. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it didn't really bug me, but yeah, it did feel a bit excessive, especially with Yennefer. It felt like every spell she needed to cast was like, I need, really to, I need to pull out my boobs for this spell. It's like, oh, okay, all right. All right. All right. There they are. There, yeah. there, there's a genie? Okay, here's my boobs. <laughs> it was just kind of almost like, well, they're old news, so yeah. Yeah, I, I saw those last episodes like 15 minutes ago. Okay. I think actually the same timestamp in, in, in the yeah. previous episode. <laughs> We're going to do a. Ton- I'm going to write this down and see. We're doing it good. Sure enough. We're going to do Yennefer's boobs on a collapsing timeline. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean, I'm at least happy that she was able to at least get a contract to do it. I do know. I noticed, and this is actually where I noticed that she like really hasn't gotten show gotten naked at all this season. Which you know, and the contract actually makes sense. But there was a shot in uh, one of the episodes where she was visiting the guy in prison in the second season. Mm-hmm. Where they framed her just to where it was cutting her dress off enough to where, like, you know, mm-hmm. like about yay and up. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, wait, 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 where did she get naked? She had a full gown on. I remember even watching it thinking that, like, wait, she had a gown on that was over her shoulders. Like, what the? And then, oh, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that maybe how he's perceiving her or What? What? Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Is it when she's being interrogated? Uh, he was in. Inter- she was interrogating him. Oh. And she left the scene, and then it revealed that she had that dress on that was just from here down. Well, I do remember she had a super low cut dress where it's like if it's cut That's any it, lower, her tits are hanging out. But it's yeah, I it's think not. It was red, no. red, that red or like green, like. Well, I'm thinking of is black. Maybe it might have been that. Yeah, I might have had my settings or my brightness set up. But yeah, uh, going into that uh, was the season one. Yeah, th- there's the collapsing yeah. timeline. Uh, we obviously get the destruction of uh, Calanthe by Nelfgaard, who are pretty much set up as the villains. A little bit. I play the video game. They are not so villainous, but maybe I haven't played far enough into it because I've barely played that video game. <laughs> I have not at all. It's, I mean, it's I'm curious fun. too if, like, you know, I get to like fucking kill motherfuckers like that. <laughs> well, Witcher Three is considered one of the best video games ever, which is what I have. I've not, like I said, I haven't played very far into it. Uh, but yeah, I really liked. Uh, I like the mixture of those two, two essentially stories. Like, I'm okay with it being Game of Thrones like. Mainly as long as it does kind of its own thing, which it kind of does just doing the it, Monster Hunter shit. It, it does. It does. And I think to a degree, I think they borrow enough from it mm-hmm. to where like a casual Game of Thrones fan, even to an avid Game of Thrones fan, could easily just start watching it. 
But like, I, I mean, for me, it's like it won't replace Thrones. No, no, and it shouldn't even try. Um, yeah, and I mean, no matter how much you make him look like a Targaryen. <laughs> well, I, that, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's the way he looks in the game. That's so how I'm he looks pretty sure it's the books. Yeah, I know. I know. Though it's worth talking about Henry Cavill because, like, I always felt like he was underused as Superman, and that's. Like, he could have been a good Superman, but man, he's so not rich in So there. what, are you saying he should have saved his dad? Yes, but that's... that's <laughs> or at least learn, like, there's so much to come down with that scene, but they waste it. Um, <laughs> I've talked about ad nauseum in my videos, so... <laughs> if they die, mm. they die. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I think he's a great Geralt of Rivia. That's the thing. I think he had the potential to be a good Superman, but he actually is a good Geralt. Um, yeah, the, I, I agree with you there. He he definitely... He has the potential to be such a great Superman. Yeah. I, such a great Superman. It but, seems like uh, DC's going to flush that down the toilet. I mean, we're eight years out from Man of Steel, so... <laughs> yeah, and I mean... Uh, with that, I don't know. I just... I feel the problem with Superman whenever they try to put him on screen is either they're going to shove the allegory that he is Jesus. Uh -huh. He is Jesus. And, you know, if, if you, if you don't really say it or try to visually show it, you just subtly imply it. Yeah. Kind of like how Donner did in one and two. Yeah. Uh. It's, it's good. Snyder kind of insistent on it. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the Brian Zinner one, Superman Returns. <laughs> well, Brian Singer's got all issues going on. That being said, Brandon yeah. Routh was all right. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, nothing against him. But the best part of that movie is when the dog, when they realize there used to be two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, no, Cavill was great as like mm -hmm. the, the lead. I enjoyed him so much as it's like I, I really am kind of enjoying the character and the development. Yeah. I'm really enjoying the uh, minstrel that's following him in this first season. Well, he's in, he's how far do you get in second season? Because he's uh, he comes I, back. I, he just he just made his big big grand I didn't finish season two. I think I did. I might have. I because I binged the first one in one day. That was a jarring task. I took no shit. No. Yeah, I took the following day to kind of just rest my brain and watch Death the Smoochie. Mm. <laughs> And and then uh, over the past two days, I've been trying to catch up and finish season two. I think I've I've watched a lot of it yesterday, and on New Year's Day. So mm -hmm. I think like I mean I I fell asleep somewhere in the middle on New Year's Day. Yeah, and woke up kind of near the end, and and kind of was in and out during it. And I'm kind of just re trying to see because I know I've at least seen bits and pieces of all of this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah, and, well, season one, like, I would definitely say I like season one more than season two, because season one, I actually kind of like the timeline thing, though I can understand why it's jarring. I like how yeah. it all kind of just comes together. I love seeing where Geralt's at when that's revealed where he's at in episode one. Essentially, oh, yeah. yeah, seeing that he, while this castle, uh, Clanthy is getting invaded by the Nelfgaard and Ciri's being released saying, hey, go find Geralt. He's in their fucking dungeon saying, hey, Nilfgaard's coming to attack. I would like to take Ciri with me under this law of law of plot convenience. Um, 
Clock armor. <laughs> yes. Law of plot convenience. I can call upon her whenever it's convenient to the plot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, finding out he, he was sent to the, to the prison because they were like, yeah, no, you can't take her. And he's just there saying, I need to protect her. She's my responsibility to protect her, and I need to do this. And one of the things I actually like, and this is throughout both series, is uh, uh, it's partially Cavill's performance. How he's so, like, just, like, quiet and just withdrawn, but... And he doesn't, like, show his emotions, but you tell he has them. Yeah. Uh, he is all about Yennefer. I don't like I don't think it's ever been firmly established what his wish was with her. But yeah, he is definitely into Yennefer in a big way. You know I mean? I mean... <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I will admit the her transformation, mm -hmm. I was amazed and I even had to like pull my phone out and google like did they is that a different actress? Yeah. Mm. And then going, "No, she just had a shitload of prosthetics. Holy yeah. Wow, completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's she's good on the eyes. <laughs> yeah. They they made her unrecognizable in all that prosthetic. Mm -hmm. Like like that uh kind of obviously that big piece that was like right here. Well, yeah, they had a piece the to make her like yeah. chin like stick out and then like a huge hump on her back. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, season one, I really like it. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, uh, there's timeline issues. Essentially, God, I don't know the exact... I want to say Yennefer's timeline is like takes place over 100 years. Geralt, I want to say, is probably at least 30. And series is probably like a week. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, all of that is a span of a week. Yeah, and you can tell there's... It feels like there's less motion going on for us. We see plenty of her timeline, but it feels like there's less going on. Whereas Geralt's like has like a monster of the week thing almost going on, and Yennefer, yeah, <laughs> that is actually kind of what got me to like it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, I uh, I, I particularly really enjoyed the uh, first one that he had, that one that looked like those uh, kind of spider demons from uh, Attack of the Clones. Was that like? The very first one? Opening scene. The one that okay, opening scene, yeah. Knife the, he put a sword right through that fucker's head. Yeah. Feel sorry for that deer, but uh, Geralt had a good yeah. meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had a good meal out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I even thought to myself, well, no sense wasting the meat. Yeah, exactly. That's that's a decent pelt. I'm sure you can salvage what you can of mm -hmm. a pelt. It gives you a... sense wasting the meat. Yeah. Gives you an idea of Geralt. But, uh... It was a, it, it was a mercy killing. Yes. Uh... And I'm not going to lie, when I first watched this, I thought Yennefer was going to go full villain. And yeah, I did too. She, she didn't. Um, but she does go into dark magic, which has a penalty mainly seen in season two. Uh, dark magic. Fire magic, which is supposed to be forbidden. Which is something I kind of missed on my first watch through. Because they mention it, but... They also mention Vizimir and the other witchers, which I kind of missed. But anyways, upon... Uh, Watching season two, that's when uh, my mom is like, oh, that's the character from the animated movie. And I'm just like, animated movie? What animated movie? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, 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 had, I had just finished that full binge when you sent me that, and I'm like, no. No, yeah, no it's, more. it's not. No more. It, 
does set up the whole series and mainly season two, but yeah, it is, uh, it's not bad. It's the story of, uh, listen to me, we'll go ahead and switch over to season, season, season two. Season Tweezin. two. Tweezin. 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 It, it is Tweezin two. Oh, Tweezin. So, you, so, you did, so you did listen, listen to that fish stream then, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got all this covered. Right. No. The but, tweezers. <laughs> no, that... But the whole animated movie, it's not bad. It's a setup for Vizimir and the Witchers. Okay. We we kind of see the setup. Uh, and it kind of helps set up, like, the supporting characters, especially. Because we see how Geralt really takes to Ciri and he treats her like a child. Yeah. Uh, she wants to be a Witcher and is expected that she would become a Witcher. But he's not on board with that. Uh, just knowing what's in, entailed. Uh, like, he's being warmed to it. But, yeah. uh... But we also see uh, how uh, we see Vizimir, who's like the head of the Witchers at this point. And the movie, that movie actually, the big point of that movie is that we see all the Witchers die except Vizimir and all the child trainee witchy, witchies, Witchers they have. One of which is obviously Geralt. And we see at the end of the movie, he, he takes them on. So he is like the last of his batch of Witchers. And we, we kind of get an understanding just from that watching this see watching this season how how he feels about all the other witchers is how Geralt feels about Siri you know Geralt yeah. kind of takes a father daughter relationship well he's like a father son relationship to all the other witchers and the the big uh, bad I don't like the big bad last season was essentially Nelfgaard but I don't recall a pinnacle bad they had to take down it's just kind of Nelfgaard fucking things up <laughs> But the big bad here is we got a Deathless Mother, who we actually see throughout the season. And I actually think it's kind of clever because I actually managed to watch this twice, which is why I'm burnt out on Witcher right now. But I watched this season twice, but yeah. twice. But there's actually a scene where uh, you see Vizimir talk about the origins of the Deathless Mother. And then next we cut to a scene where uh, Guinevere, not Guinevere, Yennefer. Yennefer and... Uh, Frandrilla, who is the Nelfgaard sorcerer, and then the elf person, queen, I don't remember her name, are visiting this witch in a cabin, and upon rewatch, I realize, oh, fuck, that's Deathless Mother. Uh, so, hmm. it actually does a good job setting things up without setting it up. I guess it benefits to rewatch. But, uh, yeah, the Deathless Mother is the big villain. Uh, she's after Siri because Siri is like ancient blood. Uh, and we even see throughout here that they can't make any more witchers because they don't have the ingredients. Except Ciri's blood that she's been bleeding all over the uh, witcher course because she really wants to be a witcher. She is all on yeah, board with I, this. Yeah, I'm enjoying her trying it and trying it. Actually, yeah. the most recent one she did is she got all the way to the end but lost her balance on the on the landing. I know. And, it's, and it's he walks sad, up cause... to her and he was just like, almost made it. Yeah. And I was it's just gonna, pretty, I was it's like, pretty harsh, but I yeah. Like, I was like, Dude, I get it's supposed to be motivating, but like, that's the best she's done. Yeah, really. And let's let's face it, it was a minor mistake. She had it. It was. A <laughs> Bud, do you want to talk about some of the landings I have personally watched you stiff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh yeah, that, uh, that one actually got me. Was like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the coldest we've seen him, and he yeah. he can get kind of cold, but yeah. 
I mean, I, when he's cold to people I don't care about, that's that's I, I love that. But I don't just mm-hmm. to, for that little girl, like she's she's been through more than enough in that in the first three episodes. Well, <laughs> I think it's also worth noting that that him saying that it, you also have to put in context. He's definitely seems to be against her being a witcher. Yeah. So he is he, he is the one probably it. most against it. Like he definitely seems to be warming to it throughout the season, mainly because. She was really dedicated to it, and there's no stopping it. And no. part of the season is how Vizimir, who's the head witcher, and Triss, who's a wizard or mage we saw in the first season kind of coming back, figure out a way to make a witcher serum out of her blood. And part of her deal is, okay, I'll give it to you, but I won't be the first one to take it. And you got to give respect to Vizimir because his initial reaction to that, her making that deal was, no, I'm out. Absolutely yeah. not, because that that is a bad fate. Now he does warm to it, but that, even after he warms to it, even Geralt's like, "Fuck no, no, we can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like that uh, that one guy who um, the red the red haired guy, but like with the clean shaven in the uh, castle, the guy who's been very encouraging of her training. Of her being a witcher in season two. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There are uh... there's like a there's a, a black guy and a ginger looking guy. They uh, both were kind of fir- first kidding about her being oh a little princess. Okay, yeah, no, yeah, those two. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're talking about Lambert then, who is Lambert, not. Okay, he's not super nice, but <sighs> well, he's being supportive. Yeah, he's not particularly supportive either. He's in. And I don't even know if I'd go that far, but he got her up there. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, he got her up there. No, he—he's a character like he's—he's he's a dick, and he is one of the survivors of this season, which I kind of like. But oh, good. It's like because c- actually, uh, when I was like trying to re-catch up and see stuff that I remember and don't remember mm-hmm. from my in and out of consciousness, yeah. Um, uh, I. There was a few times I was saying, like, you know, I swear that was Tormund if he had a beard. That's the thing. He's not clean shaven, I'm pretty sure. No, there was some guy who was. How I kept saying, like, I'd swear that was. Not him. I must be thinking of somebody else. I don't know. And I did binge a lot of this back-to-back almost, so Mm -hmm. it's a lot of it kind of bled together. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Fun fact, we were not going to do two seasons of a Ever. series in one episode again. We're, we're, I think I'm fine doing a season, but like one season and maybe a couple movies. Not, yeah. oh my god, movies are easier. <laughs> She's training to become a witcher. Meanwhile, Yennefer has lost her powers and is looking to regain them. That seems to be her main focus. And she is making, a well, we don't know it's the Deathless Mother until later. She's making deals with the Deathless Mother to get her powers back, which involve essentially bringing Ciri to the Deathless Mother. Obviously, Rob, that's the villain goal here. Because uh, Ciri is super powerful of elf, elder blood, they find out. Like, old elven blood. Even the elves are like, holy shit, that's elven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's super late going in. Uh, I think that's the last episode where they find out they're like, holy crap. <laughs> Yeah, the last episode I watched uh, before we started was uh, she and uh, like four, she and like 
like three other people were all working together and breaking out of a prison and one just ran away while another got pulled under by some tentacle squid thing. Oh yeah, that thing. That uh, I'm not going to lie, that scene always felt super weak because we, we get the character who's talking about, this is going to be my life and it will be wonderful and I'll do this and that. And, then, and he's going over that and I'm just thinking to myself, dude, you're like dead in like two seconds. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't do a speech like that and not die almost instantly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are not getting that life. <laughs> You're lucky if you make it to the next scene. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this season, I would argue, it's not as good as the first one. Uh, I do like, Gerald actually feels warm this season. Um, I don't, I don't think you've gone to the point with, where he reunites with uh, the bard just here. Uh, but oh my the, god, that the, scene. Uh, the the uh, entertainer, the singer. Yes. Can I just talk about him for a moment as a character? Absolutely. Like, He's awesome. Absolutely, <sighs> absolutely favorite part of the show. So yeah. much so that midway through the first season, I was literally Googling loons. Like, where yeah. to buy one? Looking at it, looking at ways to play it, kind of understanding mm -hmm. the instrument, going like, I fucking want one of those. No, he he's totally a highlight of this series. And the uh, song and the music. Oh, man, oh, yeah. it is great. I'm no, it. lots of my playlists have a toss a coin to your Witcher in them because, fuck, it's a good song. It is. It's kind of really making me want to, like, you know, don a kilt and go to Ren Fair. But, yeah, his character, he's kind of annoying, kind of obnoxious. At first. But you kind of love him, too. Yeah. And he does mean well. Like, you especially see that in season two. Like, he talks about Yennefer as if she's, like, his worst enemy. Yeah. Yet he is 100% on board with helping her. Because he oh, yeah. just, he's just that guy. He just, you need his help. He'll give you help. You know? And uh, I don't want to spoil it, because you should just watch the scene where he reunites okay. with Geralt. But that is one of the warmest scenes in the series. It is, oh my god, it's, like, Geralt is almost gushing in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> for Geralt. <laughs> okay, okay. It's it's so wow. But, uh, yeah, I don't like this as well as the first season, but I do like it a lot. The sets are still top-notch. Uh, the sets and the effects, holy crap. Like, they go all out on this series. Uh, I really, I, just, I love it. <laughs> I think it's a great uh, series. I think Netflix does a great job with it. I like that it's Game of Thrones-esque without, like, feeling like a full-on copy of Game of Thrones, which, I'm not gonna lie, what I've seen of Wheel of Time starts is starting to feel like that, which is really disappointing, because I like now, that book series. Now, I will say, uh, speaking of Game of Thrones with things coming up, though, House mm. of the Dragon, that, from that teaser that I've, that HBO has released, and that is all that I'm going off of with this because mm -hmm. I've found that, you know, within the past two, three seasons of Game of Thrones, the online community with it is twice as bad as Marvel, especially when it comes to revealing all, plot points and spoilers. Yeah, all fan communities get toxic as hell sometimes. But it, it gets annoying. And... It does. It does. It truly does. And I mean, I still I hear, I saw people bitching about like, well, they didn't do that in the books. I just always go, hey, can't we all just be together that we both like the same thing regardless of its form of media, mm -hmm. that we're both into the lore? That's cool. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Don't yeah. make us slit each other's throats. Have we learned nothing from what from this story? Yeah. 
but I am excited. For now, is House of the Dragon, is that, isn't that the one that was canceled, or is that something else? That's something else. I think there was one that was going to be... I think see. this takes. I think this is supposed to be the Targaryens, or like the early days of the Targaryens dynasty. Yeah, it was the one that had Naomi Watts in it that got canceled. Yeah, yeah. Oh, unti- so th- this is just one that was untitled. But it tied with the most expensive pilot ever made. Okay, so House of the Dragon is still go on to premiere next year. That's the one they're still sticking with. This is just an art prequel that got canceled. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I was trying to figure out. I was like, wasn't House of the Dragon canceled? No, I guess there's two prequels they were working on, at least. There were. I mean, I just hope that, you know, I'm sure the one that got canceled is the one that had Robert's Rebellion, which is really, as a fan, what I want to see. I want to watch that whole war. Yeah. The whole rebellion. Just as a fan, I want to see that. But I also do want to see, like, the Targaryens land and build King's Landing. I yeah. do want to see that. That would also be very cool. There's lots of things I'd like to see. There's also stuff I also want them done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also want them to be done well. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. When, when you have the most expensive pilot ever and you get canceled, oh, that's that's essentially HBO saying we're flushing that money down the toilet. That can't be good. That's gotta no. be bad. Then, yeah. Well, what I like about Witcher is it. It kind of it does kind of get that Game of Thrones thing going on, but it's not. It's obviously yeah. not Game of Thrones at the same time, and uh, it's definitely better than Supernatural. Which I don't know. I think it was fine for a while, but it get ah, god damn. You want to talk about a series that went on way too long? Supernatural. Oh, yeah. Supernatural makes Dexter look like it. It was short run. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Witcher. I loved it. Uh, you have any final thoughts before we move on? No, uh, I am excited. I am excited to finish the series, and I do. And I it is growing on me. But again, like I do feel very lost on the lore. But yeah, it looks great. The score is great. It's shot beautifully. The cinematography in this is absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do want to stress the lore. You can get it from the series because that's pretty much what I'm pulling it from. I don't really think there's anything from the video game that I didn't already know from the series. But might require rewatches. Because I've seen season one three times now. Although it's been a long time since I'd seen the first season. And I saw season two twice simply for the the podcast. So I'm a little burned out on that one. Because that, that has not been out that long. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Alright, I know. Uh, yeah, we had uh, next week kind of figured out. So yeah, next yeah. week we, we were going to talk about the new Netflix movie, Don't Look Up. Which I saw the other day. And I definitely thought there's plenty to talk about there. Uh, we're going to watch uh, Boba Fett. Uh, Weber's out. I don't know what episode they're at with that series. Okay. At least one. Probably right. two. And then we are not doing a season of a show. I know Cobra Kai just came out. I would love to talk about Cobra Kai. We are not doing a season. We're yeah. going to talk about the original Karate Kid. We're going to go back and do yeah. that. Wax off. And I, Wax off. That sounds like a nice, relaxing episode. We're going to yes, do that does. three things that are about two hours each. That sounds so relaxing. Yes. <laughs> And then after that, we're going to marathon every single season of Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah, we're uh, splitting it up into two. Like, we're each tackling, we're going to do two apiece. I'm taking the next gen and and, and, and Deep Space Nine. Uh, Bobo's got it. Wait, what, 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 what? You're giving me, what, you're going to give me Voyager and Enterprise? Fuck. Fuck. And we're going to, and we're going to, fuck. 
but in between our breaks, we're going to both group stream, you know, so we're both going to have to suffer <laughs> through the original series. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? I'll get my revenge. You you get TNG season one. And I do believe nothing on TV is worse than TNG season one. <laughs> yeah, no, there is nothing worse than season one of that. <laughs> oh, God, it's like the worst oh, thing ever. <laughs> I mean, there, there's great stories, but oh, it's rough to get through. No, it's actually, yeah, it's oh, for me, that's always the question. What would you rather? A series like Game of Thrones that starts strong and ends weak? Or a series like TNG that starts weak and ends strong? Yeah, and I lean towards TNG, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, ideally, I would like it. I would like the weak point to be mid-season. Yes, yeah, the middle as your weak point is always preferable, or, mm-hmm. or I guess, or I guess mid-series because mm-hmm. I mean, Sopranos started off decently strong, mm-hmm. decently strong, had some lower points throughout it, but like maybe controversial, but I'd say it ended strong, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with it, so I will go with your opinion. That sounds good to me. No, mm. if, you have, if you can fit it in, oh, highly recommend God. checking the series out. You know, sometimes we might, like, sit down and do that for the podcast, but man, I don't... Oh, I would, I would fit it in? <laughs> no, I mean, those are, like, full one-hour episodes, so mm-hmm. like, that would be one that we would watch an ep- talk about an ep- watch an episode and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Most of it would just be me grinning, like, yeah. 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 Oh, you think that, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, man. But, uh, yeah. So we got next week planned out. So, uh, yeah. I think we're good. So, uh, everybody have a good one. Yes. Take care and have a happy new year. I want to go ahead and add some audio credits at the end here. Uh, The theme music you're hearing at the beginning and end of this podcast was uh, written and performed by George Johnson, a very good friend of mine. And my current Patreons are uh, Fel Martins, David Lara, and Lindsay Painkhurst. If you'd like to become a patron, go ahead and follow the link down below. Anything you can provide would be incredibly helpful to this channel. We're barely limping by right now. Uh, I'd love to make this my full-time job, but I'm miles away from that right now. So any help you could provide, just a dollar a month would be amazing. You know you want to. All your friends are doing it.